Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome back to Win in Romance. Hopefully your favorite place to go to get some romance recommendations and talk about all the stuff that's happening in Romance Landia. I'm Jess. And I am Trisha, and there is a lot of stuff happening in Romancelandia. But it's the same stuff over and over again. You know what? That's a really good point, actually. Because <laughs> even as I was saying there's a lot of stuff happening, I was kind of thinking to myself, is there a lot of stuff happening? Uh, but sometimes. there is. But it is. You're not wrong. It is the same stuff over and over again. <laughs> but... Do you know, Jess, uh, there is one thing that is the same thing as uh, two weeks ago when we were last recorded this podcast that is actually good news that it's the same thing. Do you want me to tell you what it is? What is it? Book Riot is doing a giveaway, a $500 gift certificate to the bookstore of your choice. Oh, and that's very And it could be good. yours. I know, right? It's, a, it's an exciting news. And actually, as I was thinking about this earlier, I was so we are not eligible. Jess and I cannot win this. No. So that's two less people that you have to compete with. So it's mm-hmm. all the more reason to go in, sign up, and join. I was thinking about what the bookstore of my choice would be, and I realized that it would actually be a really difficult decision for me because I have three. Oh. So, yeah. So, I, first of all, there's a Capitol Hill. So, I live in Washington, D.C. Capitol Hill Books is an amazing used bookstore on Capitol Hill. And, frankly, they have, like, the best bookstore Twitter account in the area. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. For example, yesterday they tweeted that, just FYI, a movie version of The Fountainhead already exists. So, there are already too many movie versions of The Fountainhead and too many book versions of The Fountainhead. <laughs> and I was like... All right. Well played, Capitol Hill Books. So whether or not you live in D.C., give them a follow. Also, there's Duende District, which is our pop-up bookstore that is uh, very inclusive and dedicated to um, authors of color and who has hosted, like, maybe my favorite romance author event ever, which I've already talked about. that had, like, amazing D.C.-based romance authors, and that was the best. Mm -hmm. And then my local bookstore is The Politics and Prose on the Wharf, which is just down the street from me. And they have always an amazing romance collection. And so of the three, I don't, I don't know what mine would be. Do you uh, know what your local bookstore of choice would be? I, I don't know. Like, I, I have fewer, fewer po- uh, possibilities because... Well, wait, no, I, that's it's not an true. embarrassment of riches. I, I have three, too. Dang ah, it. See? So, it's very stressful. There's mostly books. I live in Tucson, Arizona, for those of you who haven't caught on to that yet. Um, Mostly books, which was a late discovery for me moving here. They are a combined used and new bookstore, and they have a romance room. Like, (gasps) you walk down the hallway and you turn, and there is a room full of romance novels and it's like i could just huddle in here so they are awesome people and they they just do great things and they host 
smaller events than places like Duende District can. Well, um, this one was, I mean, this was like, it was nine authors, but there, it was also a fairly small intimate event, which I thought felt very special. Oh, that but is... Sorry, anyway, continue. <laughs> so they're really cool, and they're awesome people, and they have really cool swag. And then um, there's a completely used bookstore chain in Arizona that I absolutely love called Bookman's, and they... They have three in Tucson alone, um, and I get a lot of my romance novels there because they have amazing selections because romance readers, as we all know, can go through some books. So yeah. why not get some trade for it and get some other books, right? Absolutely. Um, Very so good call. They're awesome. But I think my choice would actually be... Drumroll, please. Drumroll. <laughs> Antigone Books, which oh. is... A beautiful downtown bookstore that was actually just purchased by three members of the staff because the uh, former owners wanted to retire. And they like they did a, a, either an Indiegogo or Kickstarter and met their goal in like less than 24 hours. It's amazing. But anyway, about the store. The store is really cool because it's been around for a while. Um, they taught themselves as feminist and queer Um they are also the first bookstore in the United States to be 100% solar powered. Like, what? Whoa. Um, and That's you know, it's, cool. It's Arizona, so they can do it. Well, sure, yeah. <laughs> and they have the best in-person lesbian fiction section I have ever encountered in my life. Wow. That's and awesome. So, like, I want to give them all of my money. So I would give them $500 of my money. I well, or a book riot's money, right? Oh, and that's really the beauty money. of this. Yeah. yeah, that is the beauty here. So, um, if you happen to win this and you live in Tucson, or you want to just visit Tucson, yeah, you know where to that's go. the other thing, right? Now, Jess and I have given you some really great reasons to visit Tucson or to visit Washington D.C. If you win this, because you're saving five hundred dollars on travel, y'all, like why not? <laughs> or go to L.A., go see the ripped bodice ladies. They're they're the best. Like yes, yeah, there's. So anyway, long and short of it, we really want a romance reader to win this gift card. So um, the giveaway goes until June 21st. So hop on right now and enter the, uh, the oh, I'm finding the thing. Oh, it's bookriot.com slash bookstore 500 to enter, or just link to it in the show notes. They're going to be right there in your, whatever you're listening to this podcast on these the link is easily accessible, so <laughs> you can multitask for the next 45 seconds while you listen to us, enter the giveaway, go buy $500 worth of romance books, or like, I don't care, $450 worth of romance books and $50 worth of something else. That's fine, too. Yeah, the thing is that something else, you get like two of those, and you get like 10 romance, so come on, just use yeah, the whole 500 seriously, yeah. You could walk away <laughs> with like 800 romance books and like two other books, and that's fine. You do you. Live your best life. <laughs> Uh, um, all right, so thank you to Book Riot for sponsoring this episode of When in Romance, absolutely. as they sponsor all of Every our episodes. Episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. Okay, well, that was fun. Sadly, I feel like now I don't even remember which thing we're talking about now, but I think it's one of our less fun things. Oh, should we talk about Cocky Gate again? <laughs> let's let's yeah. talk about it and hope that we don't have to mention the word at least until all of these proceedings have concluded <laughs> and we've when we reached were starting, the other side. <laughs> can I tell you, like when we were starting a romance podcast, did you think we were going to be talking about proceedings? 
No. Like, was that a thing that Never. as we were starting this off? Uh, but we are. Sorry. Um, would Absolutely. you like to update the people on the court proceedings of Cockygate, Jess? Oh, gosh. So, the last air last we spoke, <laughs> there, there had been a few things that had happened, including um, Kevin Neuper's um, petition to cancel the trademark. Oh, actually, okay. So I guess, so I assume and you assume that everyone listens to every episode of the show because, of course, they should. That's Just true. in case you have not been listening. Uh, an author named Felina Hopkins, Hopkins. Is that her name? Hopkins, Hopkins. Uh, has trademarked the word cocky and started sending cease and desist letters to any romance author who was using the word cocky, or at least some collection of them. Mm-hmm. Amazon was like taking people's books off of the ebook shelves and whatever. RWA stepped in, a bunch of other authors stepped in. You can get a better background if you go back to our last episode and, and get a sense for that. But long and short of it, someone is trying to do a really ridiculous thing and copyright their trademark the word no it's copyright, the word cocky. And that's like on the previous episode of When in Romance, now you're caught up. So sorry Jess, continue. Yeah, so the word mark of cocky in romance titles is a uh, dumb thing um and we all well most of us acknowledge this and so there were there were there was the petition to to cancel the trademark in part because it seems like it was done slightly um fraudulently because her initial title was the cocker brothers and then later she made it the cocky series either right before or right after she submitted the application for trademark. So there's all that going on. And then, of course, we all know that, you know, cocky is such a word that no one else uses at all, ever. Um, Hashtag sarcasm. Um, (laughs) Just in case it doesn't come through my voice. You should copyright that. I should. I should. With the full word hashtag. Yeah. Um, And... You know, there's been a lot of responses because people have been using the word cocky in their titles for a while and want to continue doing that without the potential of being sued, right? Yeah, so, sure. which has happened. There have been a few suits towards authors who have responded to this. Not all of them, which is yeah. interesting in itself, but in particular towards um the organizers of cocktails mm-hmm, which we talked about last time and there was even a um restraining order placed against Kevin Neuper f- for his pursuit of this cancellation which has since been denied so there's just there's all kinds of drama and then of course all of the documents that have come out leading up to new proceedings and I'm not even sure like the proceedings are in part about the trademark and also in part about the communications between various people and there are lawsuits and there are other pieces of paper with legalese on them that have been presented to judges and I am not a legal expert so please do not take anything that I am saying as legal in any 
like law. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of stuff. You know, if you really want to see every single piece of paper, you can look at both Kevin Neuper and Courtney Milan's Twitter threads or Twitter feeds, really, because Courtney has been sharing all of the stuff and all of the statements from RWA and from the authors who are being um, singled out. Um, and there, there's a lot of really good documentation there on what has been going on. And it's like mind boggling and trying to wrap your head around some of the stuff that's happening is just, whew. Yeah. And I think that's the long and short of it, right? Jess and I are not attorney. Well, I, as far as I know, you're not attorney, Jess. I have not had a desire to go to law school since freshman year of high school. Yeah. Well, and I was actually going to go for a while, but didn't. That's a story for another time. But I didn't is the is the is the tail end of that. And uh, Courtney Milan did, mm-hmm. as did Kevin Neuber. And so um, Courtney Milan has actually, as a member of the RWA board, needed to be relatively careful about what she has said and not said, which obviously we all have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. Um and but there are so we're recording on May thirty first. It's a Thursday. Tomorrow on June first, there actually are um, proceedings going on in a court in New York. Um, so there's a good chance that by the time you're hearing this, some kind of progress has been made. And I'll take a look for it before I do the show notes and, and try to post to some kind of an update there. But the my two big takeaways here are um, so I'm going to do the more recent, less interesting one first, which is RWA actually did a, just this afternoon, like within the last hour or two, um, an update on their blog. Like I said, credit to the Romance Writers of America. They Mm -hmm. have been very much on this. Um, They posted a statement indicating what actions they have taken and indicating that they are going to be um, funding uh, the legal fees of, of Tara Crescent, who's one of their members, out of their legal fund and indicate there's just like a little bit of kind of a summary of what's gone on so i'll link to that in the show notes and you can take a quick look the um that's the sort of the maybe more important but slightly less interesting uh, update to me the the more interesting and i would venture to say slightly infuriating update is a screenshot that courtney milan um posted on May 26th, a few days ago, from the court documents that Jeff's uh, referenced earlier, uh. Um, uh, which I will also link to about um, how romance novel series consumers... So this is part of the legal documents that this author, Felina Hopkins, has filed, indicating why she should be allowed to have this um, copyright. Her uh, subsection E indicates that romance novel series consumers do not exercise a high degree of care. Specifically, that unsophisticated consumers aggravate the likelihood of confusion, and it's especially true when uh, competing products, marks are similar and the products are competitive. In this matter, it's respectfully submitted that books are often impulse purchases based upon a publication's cover or title, bare-chested muscular males and attractive, extremely attractive females, sorry, I want to quote that correctly, extremely attractive females, traverses the covers of many romance novels. Uh, So essentially, this woman is dragging her own readers. First off, uh, who's checking for grammatical correctness in this thing? But that's another Mm -hmm. story. Um, But continue that because there was something in that little bit that I really wanted to comment on. Was it uh, the plaintiff's marks distinguish those common elements with a word and style, which is, oh, 
Moreover, there is no particular consumer sophistication attached to likely purchasers of the books at issues, which are geared to a wide or segment of the American public, Jess. Maybe specifically that part about how there is no particular consumer sophistication attached to the likely purchasers of the books. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's what, what, a, oh, there's another thing. What would you like thing. to say? There's another oh. thing in there that you, the one sentence you skipped, and now I have to go, go find it. Wait. Uh, I, th- I feel like I read the whole thing. No, there was one more thing that re- really, like, like, what the heck are you thinking? And okay, I have well, to find it. Hold on. You I'm find that. And I will just indicate generally that there, this woman is essentially saying nobody can find my books because they're too dumb. Mm-hmm. And they have no ability to uh, tell the difference between one naked man book cover and another naked man book cover. But if I put the word cocky on the front and I'm the only one with those, then the, like she's saying it, people will search cocky specifically, but they're but, too dumb. Like these yeah, yeah. books. Yeah. It's the marks distinguish those common elements with a word and a style, which is unique and permits her novels to be easily identified as written by her. You know what else makes it easily identified to be written by her? Her goldarned name on the goldarned cover. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's yep. pretty standard to do that on the cover of any book. And I can tell if I pick up a book and go, oh, this looks interesting. Oh, look yeah. who wrote it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I graduated from elementary school. I have reading comprehension and can tell one author's name from another author's name. Yeah. This one, like, seriously, it's it's as if she feels like people can't find her books because they think they're not searching books who think I'm too, like, bleeping stupid for, like, finding books. for things. Mm-hmm. I, I just, there's no other, like, what? other professional endeavor would be able to get away with calling their their market customers wildly stupid besides something like i mean sure comcast fine but like that's because comcast <laughs> like has a monopoly they have romance a monopoly. is like that's the thing that's there's the nothing farthest I can do. thing from comcast monopoly. can tell me whatever they want because they are the only option i have for internet service that's fine do you know how many options i have for romance books jess Countless. Many, 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 many options. I can have romance books with the word cocky in them or without, but I can tell you for sure that I will be selecting romance books by people who don't think I'm wildly stupid. And, you know, like, this this is a document that was written by her legal representation, which basically means it is speaking for her. So this is a document in which this author says, romance readers are stupid and I need to help them any way I can. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can tell that we've talked about how she doesn't, like, know her, her the, the romance community. Like, and sometimes, especially on Twitter, it feels like a pretty tight-knit community like we all know each other but there are way more people than ever jump on twitter looking at authors posts that that we could ever think of there are more than would would even think to listen to this podcast and she doesn't know 
any of us. Like yeah. she she has no understanding of just readers in general. Like if you decide to make reading a hobby, you have a sophistication enough to distinguish one author's work from another's. Yeah. No, I yeah. And I think that's it I think it hits especially hard to me as a romance reader, and I think this I'm probably not the only like reader who feels this way Mm -hmm. because romance readers on the whole already are dealing with so many stereotypes that do not align with so much of the reader base right there like yeah so many of the readers are actually um intelligent educated adults who absolutely can tell the difference between one book and another book and so then for someone to suggest that that's not true it's it's just sort of piling on in a way that is so tone deaf. Um, and it's, it's I hate I hate to say that it's expected from someone from outside the community. Like mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. didn't if you do not currently read romance novels, have never seen someone reading romance novels, only think about romance novels as that tripe that you see in the grocery store. Maybe you could have this opinion and present it to other people. But if you have more than one book that you are trying to sell to romance readers, I would expect you to not come from that point of view, not come from that perspective, because we all know that this is just you trying to make a buck off stupid people who you can manipulate into buying everything you want them to. And that is not us. Not us at all. This is the very last call that should be coming from inside the house. Uh, Like... Of all the calls that are coming from inside the house these days in romance, this is the last one that should be coming from inside the house. Absolutely. So anyway, all that to say, good luck in court tomorrow, Kevin. Absolutely. And I've lost my other people. Uh, Kevin and Tara and... Tara Crescent. Yeah, sorry, Tara Crescent and Jennifer Watson. Mm -hmm. So, fingers crossed, everything goes well for them. Like I said, I will um, try to figure out what we can link to in the show notes uh, from those proceedings. Uh, we have, I think that's probably, is that enough of coffee, cocky gate for today? I think that's enough of cocky gate. And I'm almost, I'm, I almost don't want to go to our next topic because I'm going to grump again. I feel yeah. like people who only know me based on when in romance just think I grump about everything and don't know that I actually smile. I know. Do you remember <laughs> like, what was it? Four weeks ago when we got to have a whole episode where we were just like delighted by everything. Oh, that I was great. I sometimes think back on that still and just smile to myself. It was so nice. It was so nice. We, we went so long, but it was so nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right. So do you want me to, to, do, to do a lead in on this one? Why don't you go ahead? Okay. So uh, the, the kind of headline on this is, is fairly innocuous, right? So All About Romance is a website that is all about romance, which mm-hmm. is great. There are not, um, but there are a lot of uh, great romance websites. All About Romance is uh, a website that is all about romance. So they are what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been doing for several years um, a reader-generated poll of what the top 100 romances are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have done it in recent months, and they just released their results. So by way of background... Uh, when AAR, all about romance, mm-hmm. uh, sort of set forth on this, they, I guess they do the reader-generated poll about every five years. Mm-hmm. When they set out on the 2018 poll, 
they um, deservedly, frankly, got some blowback because their uh, initial list, I, I believe the way they do it is that they start with um, some titles that they put forward, maybe 50 or so titles that they put forward. Mm-hmm. And then um, readers are allowed to also nominate titles. And so then they have, you know, a whole big group of titles, people vote, and they come up with 100. Mm-hmm. So when they first put forward their list of, again, I want to say it was like 50 or so, that could be wrong, but it's not wrong by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a particularly inclusive list. I am not sure if there were any African-American authors on that list. Uh, and I'm if not there, sure. Yeah. If there were, there were not enough. There were not enough that were to be representative of the great work that's being done by black authors and romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was generally not a super inclusive list, but in particular, the lack of, of black women on that list was definitely noticeable and it was noticed. Now, to their credit, the AAR team heard that feedback, mm-hmm. pulled back their list, asked for suggestions. I know I sent them several over Twitter, and uh, I think probably some of you did as well, which, mm-hmm. good job, and thank you. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, and so then their next round, of so when they tried again, they kind of went back out there and uh, put out a new list of um, folks, and, and there was far better representation on that list. So... People have been voting. Um, I actually voted in like the first round or so. I I don't know how many because I kind of stopped hearing about it after the first round. So I I didn't yeah, seek I lost it out. Track of it. Yeah, I didn't seek it out, and it kind of didn't come across my Twitter feed again. Um, and and this has been like a multi like a several week process, if not maybe like a two month process. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week they came out with their top one hundred. And before that, they came out with their top 10. Mm-hmm. So their top 10 came out a few days ago. And in that list, there are, I, I believe Sherry Thomas is the only woman of color on the list. Oh, uh, Mariana Zapata, actually. So there are two. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two women of color on the list. Um, but it is, it's, not a, it's not a super in- inclusive list. And then um, they did rank those. And in the larger list of 100, which came out maybe today or yesterday. Um, yeah, they didn't rank the top 100. So they only ranked the top 10 and then the other 90 are just sort of in alphabetical order, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's not, it's again, it's not a super inclusive list. So they are hearing that blowback again. And I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily just want to drag the team at all about romance because I guess to their credit, they, they heard the initial feedback and they responded. Mm-hmm. I mentioned to Jess yesterday or the day before when they first came out with their top 100 list, they were referring to books with same-sex couples as queer romance uh, and books with heterosexual couples as either contemporary or historical or a different category. So mm-hmm. when I went back and checked today, they actually had made that correction. That's right? good. So to be fair, yeah, they they did go back. They heard that feedback and they um, – Changed books like uh, A Gentleman's Position by K.J. Charles is no longer a queer romance book. It's a historical romance book, which Good. is appropriate because queer romance is not a subgenre. No. And it is, is a pairing. That exactly. is it. And so, like I said, it's my goal here is not necessarily to just go after the all about romance team because probably there are some things that they could do to be more inclusive. But I think the more interesting conversation 
to have in some ways, and obviously you need to tell me all the things that you think, Jess, but <laughs> is like, are these lists even helpful? Do we need readers to vote? Like, I, I don't know. And you and I both have compiled lists for Book Riot. So mm-hmm. I think the way that we think about that and, and talk about it and, and do it is also maybe helpful. So I don't know. Like, I think the, the criticisms here are very fair. But also, I don't know, I don't, like, is this outdated? Is there, is there, is this relevant at all? I don't know. It's, one of the things is, we all know that reading is subjective, and favorites are subjective, and top ten lists are subjective. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, this, this could be a particular reader's, or even a group of readers' definite top ten. I don't know. I've read maybe half of the books on the list of top 10 some I would have chosen other books by those authors some I would not have considered at all because Mm -hmm. they are by authors who disparage romance readers but that's another story Mm. um those authors have been named on this podcast if I recall correctly (laughs) yes they have um I don't know what I don't I I do not actually have it out for Diana Gabaldon. I'm sorry if any of you think I do. I enjoyed the first four Outlander books. I got genre fatigue and haven't picked any of them up again. They're very well written. I just have feelings about how she treats her readers, many of whom are romance readers. So uh, let's just get that out there. I enjoyed Outlander. I liked it very much. Diana Gabaldon is probably a great person, but I mean, there are things. Maybe, I don't know. I've never met her. Maybe if I do, I'll change my mind. Anyway, uh, back to this list thing. I, I don't think I've ever done a best of any kind. Um, personally, for Book Riot, I have done my favorite and we can all claim our favorites. And I know it's hard to do a favorites poll without considering it a top 10. Because then there's the fact that I absolutely love some books that would not be considered, you know, the best written, have the best plot, even have the best characters. Like, there are some books that I just like am total trash for just because of the way they made me feel by the time I got to the end. Right. So those kinds of books probably wouldn't end up in top a top 10 list that was created by romance critics of high esteem, or if we even have those. I have no idea. Um, but, I don't know. But like this kind of list does a couple things. It shows the books that have sort of remained in people's minds because Lord of Scoundrels spent almost 20 years on the top spot of this, of this particular list. Like I read, a, I read Lord of Scoundrels like six months ago. I made, I had heard of it, but it was like, eh, do I want to read it? Okay, sure. Okay. That was cool. Um, I still haven't read it, <laughs> but I wouldn't put it in my top 10. Yeah. Um, So, like, everything is subjective, especially with romance readers, because there are millions of us. And sort of like I was talking about the 
in Kakigate where there are so many people who are not participatory romance readers at all. There are so many people who probably didn't even know that something like this existed because they get their romance recommendations from the shelf. What's mm-hmm. new? I'll take that. They don't go on this kind of site. So, like, it's really hard to say whether these are useful for anyone actually within the community. Maybe if you're a newcomer to romance and you're using something like this as a starting off point. Um, Mm -hmm. But even then, looking at this list, how do you know that there is so much more to go to? Like, it's... Looking at this list, it's pretty evenly balanced between contemporary and historical, but there, like, there are 15, 20 other subgenres that you can look at. There are other authors who write similar but different enough books in those categories that are maybe in the 100 list. There are things that happen in some of these books that might turn you off from romance if these are the ones that you're looking at. That's a really good point. So it's like, it's really hard to say if any list, especially one voted upon by a specific community of the, like a specific portion of the romance community, because that's another thing too, right? Like Mm -hmm. any, anything, any list that's voted on by a large group of people, and I think we talked about this with RT, um, is going to be sort of insulated by what that group of people likes. Mm -hmm. And if they're not reading diversely, they're not going to vote on books that they haven't read, no matter how great those books might be. Yeah. Yeah, it's also... So, I mean, I don't know. I guess I also just, you're 100% right. This is, it's kind of a a perpetuating cycle, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the people who are voting are the people who are excited about these books, who are going to be the people who are going to vote, who are going to be, you know, like, which is a little silly, which is part of the reason that I wonder if this kind of list is is really super relevant. And I'm with you. I, I actually have a couple of times shied away from calling something a best list because, best especially in romance we talked earlier about how there's no monopoly here there are i mean on any given tuesday in particular mm-hmm. dozens of books come out yeah like there's so much romance you we like we cannot keep up and so you know that's there's just a lot to sense for any of us to try to pretend like we have the, the best of it and mm-hmm. i think the way that these folks kind of are trying to get around that is by having readers vote but then again you're also you are getting the perspective of the people who are reading and voting on all about romance, mm-hmm. which is cool. That's, I mean, those folks get to have their say and they absolutely get to tell us what they think. But what would, like, wouldn't it be cool if we also got to hear about the people who are, you know, reading women of color in romance and the people who are reading smart bitches, trashy books and the women who are reading book riot and the people who are like, yeah. it's just a, it's a very specific group the other thing that I noticed about about this group, and I've been kind of peeking a little bit to see if I can find it. I, I can't pull it up offhand. I believe there are six or maybe seven women of color on this list. 
Now, to say that there are six or seven women of color on this list of 100 is misleading because on this list, there are many authors that have multiple titles. So, for example, someone like Nalini Singh, I think, has like three on mm-hmm. here. Um, I know uh, Lisa Claypus has more than one. I know Jennifer Crusey has more than one, which is also something that's a little bit different than when we do this kind of a list on Book Riot, which is not a best list. And Courtney Milan has many titles on here. Like, so there are there are people that have multiple titles. So it's the issue here isn't necessarily that there have to be, I don't, I don't know. I just feel kind of weird about that too. That is, are really, are there really three or four or however many Lisa Claypus books that are better than all of the Beverly Jenkins books? All of the Beverly Jenkins books. There isn't like, unless I just scrolled right past it, I do not recall seeing Beverly Jenkins appear a single time on this list of 100. Well, and I don't think you did because I think um, Alyssa Cole, and I, I, I kind of don't want to call her out because I think she felt a little weird about it, but she specifically said that she didn't want to say it without sounding ungrateful, but she, I think she's the only black romance author on the list. I think I recall seeing that. now. now yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Because um, you actually put it, you put it on our Trello board, uh, when, and I noticed it when I went to go put it on our Trello board, and you saw it too, but, um, but she specifically said it, it feels like a reminder that we have a long way to go, mm-hmm. even maybe more than it feels like an honor to be on the list. And she called out specifically Beverly Jenkins and Brenda Jackson. Um, but of course, you and I could both name 10 more authors that we love who mm-hmm. are um, like, I don't know how it took me so long to get on the Talia Hibbert train. But I'm on it now. Oh, welcome. I'm like, I thank you. I'm on it. I'm like riding. I'm paying extra to ride like in the front car. Um, <laughs> like, so like she's one. I mean, I keep talking about Phyllis Bourne. Like you, I, Farrah Rashan is wonderful. Like we, we could go on and on and on about all of the, um, you know, uh, wonderful African-American authors that are out there doing this work and, and writing these books. And so I, like I said, I... I don't know about you, and you can talk a little bit about how you do these lists too. I always work pretty hard to make sure I've done a couple of hundred lists for Book Riot, mm-hmm. and I always work really hard to make sure that I'm not putting the same author more than once. Um, Definitely, I try sometimes, especially if it's a broad enough thing that they might have written a really good contemporary, or and they've also written something like a paranormal. I mm-hmm. might include them. But usually, yeah, like you say, I try not to include them more than once because they're taking the space of someone else that could be represented. Yeah. And I guess the only other thing I would say is that the other kind of weird thing about a list of 100 just romances is that some people, you know, I love romantic comedy. Some people love romantic suspense. Some people love paranormal romance. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's just a little strange to just assign all of romance. I don't know. All like, together yeah. under one one big balloon. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a reader, you know, one of the arguments or, or criticisms in particular that I've seen of this list on Twitter is that this is where people go, right? If you're trying to get into romance, you're going to go to a list like this. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Um, I was really, really excited more as a romance reader to see the NPR list of one a top 100 romances come out. Gosh, it might be three summers ago now. It might have been 2015. Um, that was compiled by, it was a small committee. I think it was four different uh, women who put that together. And I was really excited to see it just because, you know, I love romance and for NPR to be putting together this list. It's like super exciting. Mm-hmm. But, but even that I knew enough to know and to be able to scroll through and say like, okay, this one's probably not for me. This one actually looks really good. I'm putting it in my cart. Like, whereas 
I, if you're really, really new to romance, I kind of feel like there's a pretty big difference between Jane Eyre and, you know, him or a, or a Krusty Cole book, right? Like, yeah. Those aren't yeah. necessarily the same. Absolutely. So. And, the, and that's another thing that comes from this kind of voted list instead of a curated one, even yeah. though we saw that the curated one had some issues as well. But like, okay, I will use myself as an example and I'm not toting my own horn for being able to like create a diverse list or whatever. But I work in a library system as and I do a lot of work off on our website and we've been revamping our genre guides. So one of the, one of my projects has been to look at all of the romance genre guides, one of which is just to like get started with romance. It's not you know, any specific subgenre is just like, here are some good authors to start with. And I made the concerted effort to not only make sure I was including diverse authors, because goodness knows I have trouble not including too many, mm-hmm. um, but also like making an effort to make sure I covered places that I don't read very much of, like thinking about like who is a prolific author in romantic suspense which we've discussed i am really bad at actually making myself read like i'd love Mm -hmm. to read more and then i see one and i'm like oh hey look at this historical romance um exactly everybody has their thing everybody has their thing and if we don't make the concerted effort when we're curating things to make sure that we are exposing all of the things that everybody might enjoy then we are leaving someone out to dry. Mm-hmm. And I know that someone is always going to be left out to dry. Like, I'm thinking about this list now and realize that I included no inspirational romance at all. And mm-hmm. now I have to go back to work tomorrow and make sure I add one. Um, oh, put Piper Hughley on there. I probably will. Yeah. Her <laughs> uh, are great. I'm writing that down now. Yeah. And um, Also, Dear Mr. Knightley is really good. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> I think but I you do that, you. Yeah, You're the librarian. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will I will um I we have that another time. Anyway, um but you know like so the question of these lists their format, the way they're put together, who they're for and sometimes it just feels like it's for the people who are voting to feel validated in their votes. Mm. And that is a perfectly valid um need but to to have that kind of system be more for personal reasons for each voter than for the greater good basically is worrisome yeah i think yeah i think that's a really actually that's a really really good point that sometimes we do let people kind of vote just and i mean it i get validated like even the times I was voting on this list, I was like, oh, yes, let me tell everyone all of the things that I know about romance. These are the best books, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's absolutely a real thing. And I do think that, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, romance gets so personal and you you feel like you have to defend yourself against so many people that any time you have the option to kind of validate your feelings for the genre, you know, against all of those people and kind of really do to kind of declare your passion for it in that way, mm-hmm. it, it makes a difference. And it, it's, that's a, that's a real thing, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe this isn't the venue for it anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens as things move along, as, as the formats change, as we move more from 
come to us to go to you kind of internet exchanges as we've seen yeah um we'll see what changes and what stays the same yeah and you know the genre's changing grid reads exist book riot exists tell us what lists you would like to see come from us we will uh there's a whole slate of fantastic folks writing um for book riot about romance and so if there is a list that you are looking for there's a good chance that we can find some folks to, to put it together so let us know absolutely absolutely i feel like we, we might be able to end on a high note here jess yeah well actually two high notes first of all we could give a, a, a tip of the hat to um, a romance writer who is pursuing a different career these days. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's such a great story. If you don't know, uh, Stacey Abrams is uh, recently won the primary um, to be the Democratic nominee for governor of Georgia, which means she is the first black woman to sit on the primary for such a big ticket. Yeah. She is the first black woman to gain a major U.S. party nomination for governor, I believe, in this, the country. I don't believe there's ever been a black woman nominated for governor in the United States. Yeah. And at, at first I thought it was just Georgia, but then I read more and no. I was like, no, it's the whole country. So hats off to you. Yeah. If she were to win the election held in November, she would be the first woman governor of Georgia and the first black woman elected governor of any state in U.S. history. Um, but the reason we are talking about this on When in Romance is that this is not uh, the first career. It's, is that Stacey Abrams is a multifaceted Renaissance person. Indeed. Uh, and she, um, her, she actually uh, is a former and maybe current, who knows what she's working on now. She's a romance <laughs> writer. Um, she wrote under the name Selena Montgomery. Um, and Jess and I were saying before the show, neither of us has read her books, but we're going to start now. Speaking of romantic suspense, I think that's mainly her subgenre, Jess. So oh. now you've got a good reason to get into it. Now I do. Also, another good reason to get into it, this is completely off topic and I just remembered, <laughs> um, is... Um, an author that we've mentioned a few times, Beverly Jenkins, uh-huh. um, is still looking for some assistance to get through post-production for the adaptation of one of her romantic suspense novels, which I have not read. Oh my gosh, I need to read it. Deadly Sexy. And, you know, she's been posting some stills and a few clips and they look... They look pretty awesome, so I want to try to read that before the movie is completed. <laughs> That's a really good point. I actually have been meaning to do um, a post for Book Riot on why romantic suspense should be read in the summer instead of in the fall and winter when it gives me nightmares because the days are longer in the summer. So <laughs> there you maybe go. I will maybe I'll read a little Selena Montgomery, read a little Deadly Sexy, and then get back to all of you, uh, and we can uh, go from there. Awesome! Awesome! So I don't, should we, uh, I guess we still have, so we got a, well, we're about 45 minutes. We always run long. (laughs) We always run long. Should we either, should we each maybe do a a book or two? We had talked about doing um, our, uh, a couple of our favorite books from 2018 so far. You feel like we could squeeze one or two in? I feel like we could squeeze one or two in. Um, But you go first because I have to make sure that the one that I want to talk about is one that I haven't talked about yet. Fair enough. Yes, you. I will. I will go first because 
I talked very briefly about the one that I'm going to talk about earlier in the year, but I didn't have, and I've written about it actually a little bit too, but um, I'm so, so excited about this book. And if you are listening, as we always say, we know that you listen to the podcast the day it comes out. So assuming you're listening to this podcast on June 4th, then the Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang comes out tomorrow, uh, June 5th. Um, and this is probably, I, I've read a lot of really great books this year, but this might be my favorite book that I've read so far this year. Um, I mentioned, I think, when I first read it a few months ago, the heroine is, um, she is on the um, autism spectrum, dis, uh, autism, autism disorder spectrum, and uh, the hero is a uh, male escort. Uh, <laughs> and so the heroine is trying to sort of kind of work through some of the checklists in her life. And one of them is dating and potentially getting married. Partly she kind of wants to satisfy her parents. And so she finds, as to be honest, it kind of makes logical sense. She's like, I can just get some practice. I'm going to do it by finding myself a male escort. Uh, and so she meets Michael, the hero, and um, he they hit it off and they have some really great chemistry. And the book is just, it's just lovely. Like it's mm-hmm. just a really lovely book in that um, I wrote a little bit about it for books that we're most excited about for uh, June. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I wrote about is that there's this really, the scene that has stuck with me, I read this book probably three months ago. The scene that has stuck with me is one where Stella, who's the heroine, meets um, the hero's family. And it's, you know, in any romance like that, there's a, oh, there's tension. Oh, she's meeting his family, blah, blah, blah. But in this situation, she's really not super comfortable in social situations, but she's trying so hard. Like Mm -hmm. she plans ahead. She does the research to figure out what gift she's supposed to bring. And like he, you know, he's ready, he's making dinner. And it's one of those scenes. It's sort of heartbreaking because everybody tries so hard and genuinely does their best and all the wheels fall off the wagon anyway. And so it's hard to watch and to read in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Helen Huang do, does this amazing thing where she kind of like breaks your heart multiple times and then the payoff just means that much more when they they really want it. They both really want it. And I think that's one of the things that for me makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. There's so much romance where it's like, ugh, I don't need you. Like I'm a, a stubborn independent man or like I'm a career-driven independent woman who doesn't need love and blah, blah, blah. Like, all of that is fine. That's great. Whatever. But the thing that I really love is when these two people both know that they want a thing to work mm-hmm. and things get in the way and they still fight through it and they make it happen. And that is absolutely this book. And it's really charming and lovely. And everyone should just go buy it. That's all the end. Love, Trisha. Yeah. And so one of one of mine... Um, that I've absolutely loved this year that was actually quite the shocker. Um, Not because I didn't expect to love it, but just all of the moving parts to it are not usually ones that I enjoy in a romance. Um, Separately came together amazingly, and I'm really glad that I read it like almost immediately upon getting it. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And... The the other surprising thing to me about this is that I absolutely loved another book by this author, and it surpassed that, and mm. I, I was like, what's going on? So, you might not have expected me to love a Talia Hibbert book more than <gasps> I did Chef what? Captain America, but more than Chef Captain America, 
I absolutely adored Rahul and Jasmine from Wanna Bet. Mm. I do not read Friends to Lovers romances. Well, I do, but they're not usually my favorite. Um, I I like when both people have like some serious issues, but like when they both have to like figure themselves out, usually it drags and pulls mm-hmm. you down. And but these two people are just like you want to help them so much that you're looking forward to seeing how they figure their stuff out. Mm-hmm. And uh, these two are just adorable people who have so many issues uh-huh. and I loved watching them just like deal with them in usually grown-up ways like that was another thing they're both like adult people who acknowledge things like consent and mm-hmm. and rules and when they're being absolutely contrary to their own benefit and some kind of way it all comes together amazingly and i just love this book so want to bet by talia hibbert so far one of my favorites of 2018 i feel like adorable people with so many issues might end up our show title but we'll see <laughs> uh, um i will do one more because i we, we just and i both came into this with list of like six or eight but we knew we were not going to get through that many but i will do one more and the other one that i will talk about um quickly is Thirsty by Mia Hopkins, uh. which is, oh man, so good. It's, it's so, I will say this is like sort of a grittier, I tend to be like a light and fluffy and happy romance person just cause like the world is dark and gritty. And so sometimes to have that combination of, of kind of challenges in a book that seem very real and intense versus, um, you know, challenges in the book, like it's a lot. So, but uh-huh. this book, it's funny because um, when I was reading it, one of our colleagues, I think it was Annika uh, on the on Book Riot Slack was talking about the, one of the great things about reading romance is that there are no stakes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I'm reading this book thirsty right now and mm-hmm. it feels very stakesy. And it goes like, okay, all right, settle down. What I meant was that, you know, things are going to work out okay in the end. And I was like, I don't know. I think they are, but I'm in the middle of this book and there's a lot going on. So yeah, yeah. Um, the book, the, the hero of the book is, um, and I, gosh, I, I feel terrible. It's been a few months since I read it. So now I have to look up everybody's names, but the <laughs> hero of the book, who I think is Sal, um, is, is recently released from prison. He was in a gang and he had, criminal background and so he just got it but he genuinely is interested in trying to turn his life around because he he's trying he wants to do better he wants to do better for his um for his brother for who's hopefully also going to get out of prison soon and but he's got no money he has essentially no family unless he goes back to the gang like he's he's got to figure a lot of things out and he ends up staying um he goes back to his old neighborhood and ends up staying in sort of the like asshole garage of like uh, an old neighbor who is this woman who her granddaughter Vanessa is um, the heroine in the book and Vanessa like has herself together like she faced a lot of the same challenges that he did growing up but she managed to kind of she was a straight A student. She had like all these plans. She ended up um, actually getting pregnant uh, and so she has a young daughter but she's like putting herself back through school. It's just a it's the kind of book um, someone pointed out once, I think it was maybe Jessica Tripler, uh, who writes about romance and used to write with Book Riot, talked about how in romance, it's so rare that both characters are struggling with money. Mm. Like usually one or the other is like fine and things are going to work out and that's not part of the stakes. And in this case, these people 
are struggling. Like, mm-hmm. neither of them has a lot of money. They're both trying to figure things out. Like, Sal literally is counting out the cash to figure out whether or not he can afford to, like, buy a beer to, like, do a social thing that he kind of has to do to get a job. Like, oh, wow. it, it just feels very much like a, a the stakes are real in a different way than they are with a lot of what you read in romance, and um, which makes the payoff a little bit different also. Um, so it's also, it's a first person male narrator, which you don't always see a lot of also. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's really good. And here's the other thing. It, it ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger, not necessarily with this couple, but with the larger story and community they live in. Ooh. So I really, really need, um, Mia to write the book trash. So if she could do that soon, that would be great. <laughs> and love Trisha. And and you've been talking so much about this book so excitedly that I just went ahead and bought it when it was on it sale. It was on sale. Yeah, yeah, it might still be, but I don't know. Everybody go look and see. And even if it's not on sale, just buy it anyway. Just buy it anyway. It's still yeah. 99 cents as of today, but today's May 31st, so it might go back up tomorrow. But either way, I, just go buy it. Yeah, I took advantage of that particular sale because apparently that day was a very good book day for me, and I had bought like four books on sale already. So yep. it was like, oh, it's on sale. I can What's buy it. What's one more? Yep. <laughs> What's one mm-hmm. more? Yeah. Um, All right. Anyway, you want to throw another one out in the world, Jess? Let's talk about Riven by Roan Parrish. Oh, this was my first Roan Parish book. I selected it off of NetGalley just on a whim. It was like that cover's cool. I haven't read any of Roan Parish's books before. It sounds like a fun book. I love rock star novels. Mm. Da da da. And then I was at home sick one day and scrolling through my iPad and was like, I'll read that one. And then my mind was blown. Like. Mm-hmm. I understand it now. Rowan Parrish has like a particular following, especially in the community that reads only male male novels. Like, I, it seems like there's a lot of people who don't read anything outside of that. Um, but um, so it was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try. And then it was like, oh my god, these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so this book uh, is about Theo and Caleb. Theo is a rock star, like legit, like everywhere he goes, people mob him, even if he's trying to wear a stupid hat and sunglasses kind of rock star. Like he is famous and he hates it, like couldn't care less about fame. He just wants to do his music and be happy on stage and all of that. So he is the lead singer of the band Riven, and they've just come home from a really long tour, and they're about to go back on tour, even though he's like, I'm shot, I'm ready to die, I just want to sleep for three days. Um, But they get more money and more esteem if they go on a European leg, so he just goes along with what everyone else says because he he doesn't want to feel like the whiny one who doesn't fit in. So this mm-hmm. is Theo. And then there's Caleb. Theo meets Caleb because he's walking around New York all night on his, like, one day off. Um, and hears beautiful music coming out of a door. So he goes and talks to the guy playing it. And they, of course, go back to Theo's place and sleep together. And Caleb's gone the next morning. So. Sure. So why not? Um, but... Theo has connections, so when he gets back from tour, he finds Caleb. Oh, well. 
And it's not as creepy as it sounds. I'm sorry if it sounds weird, but it's it's like really adorable. And he's like, I kind of I really wanted to see you. I'm sorry, I'll leave if you want me to. <laughs> so and then there's like all of the element of people who want this to work but have their own um setbacks. Like Caleb's been in and out of rehab and he doesn't want to disappoint anyone. Mm-hmm. So he makes a lot of missteps just trying to not disappoint people and in doing so he disappoints people. Yeah. Uh, so apparently my favorites this so far this year have been people who really need to get their crap together. <laughs> I mean, and don't we all, Jess? Don't we we all? We really do. Well, I cannot think of a better note to end uh, this week's When in Romance. Well, like I said, we both have many other uh, books from 2018 so far that we've loved. So maybe we'll do more of that uh, next time or sometime in July. So that you have something to read by all of your collective pools. Mm. Um, But for now, do please go enter the Book Riot $500 giveaway. Bookriot.com slash bookstore500. Absolutely. Start planning which bookstore you're going to now because you're going to have to make one of those pro-con lists. It's true. Absolutely you are. And where are you going to get all your best romance novels? Tell (laughs) us what romance book lists you would love for us to put together for you over at Book Riot and where you could start with different subgenres. Let us know what you love in 2018 so far. Absolutely. Um, And huge thanks to all of you who are helping us take back the When in Romance hashtag on Instagram. I really feel like it's working. Yay! Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can find me at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And if you hate all of those underscores, you can also find Jess on Twitter at Jess is reading. And I am at Trisha underscore reads. Um, so you, you'll have to underscore me. But do <laughs> let us know how you are doing. Um, we have got some exciting plans in the works for our episode in two weeks. So uh, we, and I'm not just saying that, that's a real thing. That's a real um, thing. So yeah, if those plans fall through, we'll come up with, with another cool thing. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we are looking forward to talking to you again soon. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. Thank you.